Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the rebellion of Korah as we pick up in Numbers chapter 16, verse 11. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. And all of you that want to go along with us, yeah, just stand over there and if this thing be of the Lord, then let the Lord do a new thing. Rather than you guys going on and dying natural deaths, let the Lord open up the earth and swallow you alive right down into the pit. And no sooner had Moses said it than the earth opened up and Korah and the whole rebellious crew went right down into the pit. The earth closed up again. And a great fear came upon Israel. (laughs) And all of Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them, lest the earth would swallow them up also. And fire came out from the Lord and consumed these 250 guys with their incense burners. These guys that were wanting to offer incense and all, the fire of the Lord wiped them all out. So Moses said, all right, now take these little incense burners that were made of brass and flatten them out into plates and use these brass plates to cover the altar as a constant reminder that no one intrudes into the office of the priesthood except he be anointed and called of God. And so those brass plates over the altar were a continual reminder to the people that God had anointed and appointed the family of Aaron for the priesthood, and no man takes that office unto himself or presumptuously. That is to just keep men from rising up and saying, well, man, I'm priest over you. I'm the spiritual one and the holy one, and I have an inside track with God. Now, in the New Testament, there was to be no priesthood at all. That whole system was abolished by Jesus Christ, who has become our great high priest and who's entered into heaven for us and has opened the door for all of us to have free access unto God through him. And in the church of Ephesus, The Lord commended them in that they hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which was the establishing of a priesthood over the laity, which the Lord said, I hate. To the church of Pergamos, he rebuked them because that which was rejected by the church of Ephesus was accepted by the church of Pergamos. Thou hast there the deeds of the Nicolaitans, and the Lord again declared his hatred of it. Why? Because Jesus died to make free access for every one of you to come into heaven, and each of you are equally close to God. God's ear is open to your prayer and to your cry just as readily as he is to my prayer or my cry. I am no closer to God than you. I am no more spiritual than you. I have no more access to God than you. I have no privileges that you do not have. We are all one together in Jesus Christ, equal privileged, equally blessed, and equal opportunities for each of us to come before God at any time. 
That's a glorious thing to me that God has broken down any kind of barriers that would hold men back and away from God. And I feel that it is dangerous in the church to set up a spiritual hierarchy, whether we call it priesthood or shepherding or anything else, where I say to the person, now look, I'll go to God for you and I'll tell you what God wants you to do with your life. Now, don't you trust in yourself. You trust in me, and I'll, I'll get God's word and God's direction for you. So if you want to, you know, buy a new car, you come to me first, and I'll, and I'll tell you whether or not you should and all. Hey, I feel like Moses. Lord, I didn't conceive all these people. I can't handle all that kind of stuff. I wouldn't want to carry that kind of a load. I don't want to shepherd or lord over you. I am your servant. I'm here as God's ambassador to declare God's love and God's truth and God's word to you. And I'm here to serve you, not to lord over you. Not to tell you or not to try to direct your life, but to tell you, hey, you seek the Lord. You seek guidance from Him. Because I might tell you something that's absolutely wrong. And then you come back and say, you told me to do that. Man, look what happened. <laughs> I've, I've counseled too many people who come back and said, man, you told me this, and oh boy, it really messed up, you know, it's just rotten, you know. That's why I don't like to counsel anymore. <laughs> man, I don't like that kind of responsibility. You seek the Lord, and you let God guide you. And so they made these plates, and they were... A memorial that no stranger, which is not of the seed of Aaron, should come near to offer incense before the Lord, that they be not like Korah and his company. Verse 40. And on the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron and said, You have killed the people of God. Oh, at this point, I would have, I'd have said, forget it. Now they come to Moses and say, oh, you've killed the people of the Lord. Because the earth had opened up and swallowed these guys, and the fire came out and consumed them. Now they're trying to blame Moses. Oh, I couldn't take it. And so, <laughs> boy, the anger of God was really kindled against the people at this point. Moses and Aaron went in before the Lord, and, and Moses said to Aaron, Hey, get the incense and go out, because the plague has already started. The people are beginning to drop like flies, and you stand between the living and the dead and make intercession. So Moses grabbed the incense, and he went out, and he stood between the living and the dead to stop the plague of God that was wiping out these people for their murmuring. There's a beautiful picture of intercession, standing between the living and the dead, and we as Christians often do this our intercession for those that are lost. And the Lord spake unto Moses, chapter 17, said, Speak to the children of Israel to take every one of them a rod, that is, one for each tribe. According to their tribe, put the name of the leader of their tribe on it, and tonight we're going to bring it in and set it before the Lord in the tabernacle. And we'll let the Lord declare who is to be the one who serves in the sanctuary. And so they brought the, 
Each prince brought a rod for his tribe and the name inscribed upon it, and they put Aaron's name on the tribe of Levi. And in the morning they went in, and the rod that had Aaron's name on it had budded and blossomed and had ripe olives on it, I mean almonds. Almond blossoms, almond buds and all, and almonds on the thing. And thus they kept the rod, they put it then into the Ark of the Covenant as a signifying thing that God had chosen the family of Aaron for the priesthood. In chapter 18, God said in verse 6, I have taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel. To you they are given a gift to the Lord to do the service in the tabernacle of the congregation. And he goes on and speaks of the, of the wages that were to be paid to the priest as the people were to give a tenth of what they had to the temple, and a tenth of a tenth was to go to the family of Aaron. As, as the ministering priest within the temple, the rest of it was to be divided among the rest of the Levites. And so this form of pay and all for those who were ministering and doing the service of the Lord was ordained and that is the whole congregation of Israel bringing a tenth and then a tenth of that tenth going unto Aaron. And then the, the meat that was to be theirs of the sacrifices that were brought, the meat that was to be given unto Aaron and to his family. And the Lord said, It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord unto thee and to thy seed with thee. Verse 19. And the Lord said unto Aaron, You're not going to have any inheritance in the land or among the children of Israel, for I am thy part and thine inheritance. That's beautiful to me. The Lord said, You're not going to inherit any of the land because I am your inheritance. And then in chapter 19, this ordinance of the red heifer where they were to bring in a red heifer without spot, wherein there was no blemish, upon which there had never been placed a yoke. And they were to give it to Eliezer, the priest, who was the son of Aaron, that he may bring her forth without the camp and slay her and take the blood with his finger and sprinkle the blood directly before the tabernacle of the congregation seven times and then to burn the heifer completely. And they're to take the cedar wood, the hyssop, and the scarlet and cast it into the midst of the burning of the heifer. The priest was to wash his clothes and then he was to bathe and come back into the camp. And the one that burned the heifer was also to wash their clothes and would be unclean until evening, as was the Eliezer who had burned it. But a man who was ceremonially clean was to gather the ashes together and they were to somehow make, sprinkle these with water and make a water for anointing, some, uh, a symbol of cleansing. And the things were to be purified by this water of this red heifer that was sacrificed. Now there are those who see in this red heifer analogies to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the washing uh, that we have through his word and through the spirit. Chapter 20 records the verse, the death of Miriam. 
the sister of Moses, and she died there in Kadesh, in the desert of Zin, and was buried. And there was no water for the congregation. And they gathered themselves against Moses and against Aaron, and the people began to chide with Moses, and they spake, saying, Would to God that we had died with our brothers before the Lord. Would to God that, you know, when these guys with their incense things were there, that, you know, the fire would have hit us and we'd have been killed then. Because now we're dying of thirst. It's a horrible way to die. It's a horrible way to die. It's a horrible way to die of thirst, you know. And, and they were giving them a bad time again. And so Moses and Aaron went before the Lord. And they fell upon their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod and gather the assembly together, thou and Aaron your brother, and speak unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. And thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. And thou shalt give the congregation and their beast drink. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and the beast also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron. And he said, Because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. This is the water of strife, because the people strove with God. Now, Moses went out as God's representative to the people. God said, go out and speak to the rock. You remember the first time around, God said, take your rod and smite the rock. Now, in the New Testament, we read that this rock was Jesus. Moses gave them water out of the rock, and that rock was Christ. So that the rock is actually the symbol of Jesus Christ who said to the woman at the well, he who drinks of the water that I give shall never thirst again. It'll be like a well of living water springing up within. The rock was Christ, the water of life. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the fountains, drink the water of life freely. Christ the rock. Now, Christ was smitten in order that the water of life might flow forth from him to all of us. The shepherd was smitten, but out of the smiting there came forth that water, life-giving water, salvation to all of us. But once smitten, he never needed to be smitten again. So Moses is breaking now the whole analogy. In the second time around, smiting the rock twice is breaking the analogy because now once Christ was smitten, all that is necessary is just to speak. All I have to do is come. Jesus said, if any man is thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And all you have to do is ask. Christ needs not to be smitten again. We don't have to go through the Mass. He needs not to be crucified again. Once smitten was sufficient.
The water flowed from the smitten rock. And now all that is necessary is to speak, to ask, and ye shall receive. And so Moses is breaking this whole analogy, but it's because he's angry. Now he went in before the Lord. The Lord said, Moses, just go out and speak to the rock, call the congregation together, and in their eyes speak to the rock, and water will flow forth, that they might feed them, or they might drink and give their beasts to drink. Moses went out and said, Ye rebels, must I smite this rock to give you water again and hit the thing? Now, God is gracious. Water came forth abundantly. But God said, Moses, <laughs> you failed to sanctify me in the eyes of the people. In other words, you misrepresented me before those people. I wasn't angry with him, Moses. And the rock did not need to be smitten. You were to speak to the rock. You did not obey, and you failed to sanctify me or to represent me. It was a misrepresentation of God. And God said, because of that misrepresentation, you're not going to be able to lead this congregation into the promised land. The dream of Moses' life was taken away. That which he was living for, the, the privilege of being able to lead these people in the land, the failure to properly represent God. It seems like very stiff punishment indeed, but it shows to us how earnest God is that we properly represent him. Jesus said, ye are my witnesses. But what kind of a representation am I giving to the world around me of Jesus Christ. What is their opinion of Christ when they look at me? What kind of concepts are they developing of Jesus Christ as they look at me? How faithfully am I representing him? And so Moses was refused the privilege of taking the people into the promised land for his failure to sanctify God before the people. Now Moses sent messengers unto the king of Edom, saying, we'd like to pass through your land. We'll stay on the highways. We won't take the food out of your fields, but we just need passage through the land. And, and actually, we're cousins now. Remember, the Edomites were descendants of Esau. Moses was a descendant from Jacob. They were twin brothers. So we, there's a close relationship. And so we went down, and you've heard of all of the horrible things we endured in Egypt. But now God has been with us, and we're coming back, and we're going back to our land. We like passage through your land. And the king of Edom refused them passage through the land. He said, no, you can't do it. And he came down with his armies to forbid them passage through the land. And so the children of Israel then took a circuitous route going around and circumscribing the land of Edom. And in the latter portion of the 20th chapter, we have recorded the death of Aaron. The Lord said to Moses, take Aaron up into the mountain and, and take Eliezer, his son, in the sight of all of Israel, and take the robes of the high priest off of Aaron and put them on Eliezer, for Aaron is going to die here. 
So Moses and Aaron and Eliezer, Aaron's son, went up into the mountain in the sight of Israel, and Moses took off the uh, robes of the high priest from Aaron, put them on Eliezer, and Aaron died and was buried there. And the children of Israel continued then their journey. So we get the continued journey of the children of Israel and one of the most fascinating characters in the Old Testament, this guy Balaam, as we continue our excursion through the book of Numbers. So next we'll continue on in this uh, interesting portion of the history of the children of Israel. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Numbers on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Numbers 16 through 20 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Again, remember in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, it declares, and these things all happened as examples for us, that we should learn not to lust after evil things. This whole history of the children of Israel has been preserved by God as an example for you not to murmur against God, not to lust after evil things, not to stop or hesitate when God says to go forward, not to turn back through unbelief when God has promised to give to you a life of fullness and richness. All of it is exemplary history. May we learn the lessons from history to our own benefit. May the Lord be with you and Watch over you during the week. May his hand be upon you to guide you, to bless you, and to keep you in the love of Jesus Christ. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. I feel we are so close to the end. I have never seen so many signs that point to the end. 
Our country is in the worst mess it's ever been in. I said to Chuck, what can we do? Our life is given to the ministry, to the salvation of souls and the walk of Christians, and yet we can't seem to make a dent. Chuck, do you think it's because the Lord is coming soon? And maybe there's going to be one last revival. Hey, ladies, I would like to highly encourage you to pick up a copy of Kay Smith's new book, Colossians, the most recent addition to her Bible study series. Like the believers in Paul's day, today we live in the midst of cultural craziness, and we too are vulnerable to the quick fix solutions of world philosophers and religious legalists. Let Kay guide you through the book of Colossians to understand how the Lord wants you to live in these last days, to love your family, and to revive our nation. To order a copy for yourselves or a friend, please call the word for today at 1-800-272-9673. Or to see a sneak preview, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.